Let's jump into today's lesson, uh, uh, John chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 22. If you haven't been with us, this is a great series, not because I'm a great preacher, but just because the material is incredible. And as you pray, listen, I want you to ask God, God, how does this apply to my life? And then turn back around, not just asking, but make application. Because you don't come every Sunday. I hope you don't come every Sunday for uh, the good-looking preacher or anybody else like that. I'm just kidding. Or for the music, if you just come for the children's ministry or just come for the youth ministry or just come from the, if we have donuts or the coffee, that's not the reason you come. You come, hopefully, to actually bring what you have, that's your giftedness, and encourage the church when you come. But also, you come to learn the Word of God so that you might actually be equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. If you go back and look, there's a re- uh, that's, the, uh, that's the salvation. You're saved to do good works. Let me correct that. So as you come each week, you come bringing a gift. Use your gift to bring glory to God. And if you're an encourager, guess what you should do? You should encourage. If you're a teacher, guess what you should be doing? Teaching. And, and encouragers are at the doors. If, how many actually received a bulletin? Someone said good morning to you. Raise your hand if actually you, you got connected somehow when you came in, if you came in early. So if you came in real early, you, you miss them, and if you come in really late, you miss them usually. But security's even there, and security greets with a bulletin as well saying, welcome to church. And, and the intention I want to share that with you is we look at ministries many times, and we measure them by who's on the platform, who's in the nursery, who's in the children's area, who's working in women's ministry, who's working in AHG, who's doing Operation Christmas Child. All the ministries that we list, we look and say, well, that ministry, that person's always up front. And unfortunately, or fortunately, God's plan, God has people in the front, and God also has people, so many more, behind the scenes. And who do we put up front always? The number one person is whom? Jesus Christ. And you'll see that John did the very same thing. So we're going to transition. We're looking at the last few weeks. We've looked at Jesus turning water into wine. That's his first ministry miracle. And then he comes up and he cleanses the temple. And then Passover happens. And then finally, last week, he speaks with Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And Nicodemus was a man, a strong, strong man in his religious faith, very educated. He knew the Messiah was coming. And we even said last week he incriminated himself and the Sanhedrin because he says, we know that you're from God. Meaning he called him a teacher and he said, we know that you're from God. And what he was saying was all of us, all of us religious leaders know that you are the Messiah, but you're not the one we want. We want a warrior Messiah. We don't want a humble Messiah. We want someone that's going to help us get Rome out of here and take our right place as kingdom people under the king. They didn't want a humble king. They wanted a warrior king. So Nicodemus, he knew the truth. Would you agree that he knew the truth? To be a ruler, Jesus himself even called Nicodemus, you being a ruler of the Jews, do you not know? And Nicodemus was offended by that, I'm sure. But Jesus was saying, listen, you've been taught since you were a child. You have the highest office in the religious realm of the Jews. And do you not know what the scripture says? So Nicodemus was trained. He was equipped. He had all knowledge. There was nothing he missed except what? Except belief. Because he's standing face to face with God. We just sang his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Is that what scripture said? Yes, if Jesus is God with us, Jesus is God, Nicodemus come by night, having all the credentials of a religious man, no one can have any higher credentials than he, standing in the face of God, and the only thing that separated he from salvation in Christ alone was his unbelief. His unbelief. 
And I want you to see yourself today as Nicodemus. Maybe you're equipped. You've sat in church. Maybe this is your first time in church, but you've sat in church service after church service. You've sang song after song. Maybe you've even been on the platform before. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, friends, neighbors, that small but yet great gap between you and Jesus could be unbelief. You say, I know it all. I know all that. I know Jesus come to die on the cross. And I've told you, I had an experience when I was young in the ministry in the hospital. I visited a man who was a veteran. He was in the Army, and I was, of course, in the Navy, as you know. And we joked about Army-Navy stuff, and, and he was diabetic, and he was losing his feet, and they were uh, amputating his feet. And I just shared and said, listen, so tell me, when did you become a Christian? He says, um, well, I was a church member. I said, I didn't ask about church membership, man. All of us, I was a church member before I was a Christian because some preacher didn't do his job, right? Because y'all remember back in the day, you just get to walk the aisle. Well, here comes brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, and where do you work? Oh, they, they work down at the factory, and uh, all in favor of them being a member of our church, say I, right? And we'd go, what? Ah, right? I, I used to think it was I, but I didn't know it was A-Y-E. Yes. Have y'all ever been in a church service where you voted for somebody that you had no clue who that person was? You didn't know anything about them. Anybody? Have you ever been in a church service where somebody said no? Me either. Whoever walked down here and said, I want to join, could join. And so the church gets polluted with people that aren't even believers. So this man tells me he's been a member for 40 years. And I said, yeah, but when did you, when did you give your life to Christ? When, were you, when did you ask him to forgive your sins? He says, don't say that to me again. I was offended because I knew this person and he knew me. I wasn't like, the, not for a long, long time. And I said, well, let me, can I share the gospel with him? And I started sharing with him. And he says, listen, I know that Jesus Christ was real and is real. I know that Jesus came to earth. That's why we celebrate Christmas. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I know that he will forgive me if I ask him. But I cannot and I will not ask him to forgive me of my sins. I said, you're not going to heaven then. You're sick, man. You don't have much more time. And I started again. I said, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I messed up, and I, I, maybe I just was not clear because I mumble a lot, as you all know. So I started over again. He said, stop. He said, God's going to judge me based on how I treated my family, and that's it. I said, you're desperately wrong. You don't get to choose what God's going to judge you by. He does, and he's already written it, what he's going to judge you by. Every one of us is going to be judged by what we did with the blood of Jesus Christ. Did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, or did you not? Not head knowledge, not church knowledge, not any symbolisms, not any bowing, not any motions, not any blessings from priests, not any christenings. Nothing can get you into heaven except belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, and believing that God raised him from the dead when you put your faith and trust in him. Then and then alone can you be saved. Nicodemus was face-to-face with God, had all the credentials, and yet his unbelief separated him from God. Well, let's get into the word. I'll show you. This is the truth from the word. That was from last week and this week, 22. After these things, what things? Those things I just mentioned. The water to wine, when people saw the miracles of, of God, the, the cleansing of the temple, when they saw his authority at Passover, and Nicodemus, and many people, I'm sure, heard that conversation. 22. And after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. And, and really, you'll see that his disciples baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Ian near Salim, but uh, because there was much water there, 
and, and I thought this was the Jordan. When I was really studying this, I thought it was the Jordan River, near the Jordan River. It's to the west of the Jordan River. It's a place, obviously, these words mean the place of natural springs, kind of like our artesian wells that we have in Aiken that just continue to run constantly and will make puddles if you just, if it just if, as it runs, it just will make a river or a puddle. So there was much water in the area. That's what it means, much water or fountains. For John had not been thrown into prison yet, verse 24. Verse 25, then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Now, this is not John's disciples and Jesus' disciples. Read it carefully because you'll mix that up if you're not careful. You'll think John's guys are fighting with Jesus' guys, and that's not what's happening. It's John's disciples with the Jews or the Judaizers. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you, beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And John's answer said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard and that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. Verse 33, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit of by measure, and that's to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and this truth found here. We all find this word touching our hearts somewhere. Those who are not Christians, those who are religious but not having faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, touch their heart today, penetrate their heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the word might go deep, that they might be saved. And those that are saved, Lord, that they would realize this is truth from the uh, Jesus' days and John the Baptist's days, that we must follow through believer's baptism to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and to be taken seriously, Lord, in the kingdom of God. And for those, Lord, that are working and doing the diligent work of the kingdom, sharing the gospel every chance they get, Lord, would you bless them abundantly, I pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Well, go to your notes and don't you see Judea. And you see the, the sermon notes is the one from heaven is above all. Who's the one from heaven? He has one name. His name is Jesus. He came. He came from heaven to earth. John tells us clearly that he was transitioning. Now, again, if you haven't been with us for a while, John the Apostle is writing these, the book of John. But he's writing today as we read this portion about John the Baptist. So don't get those two mixed up because they have a sim the same name. John the Apostle is writing about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist obviously is preaching about Jesus, but ironically and funny, John the Apostle is writing about Jesus as well. Y'all see, both men had different jobs, totally different jobs, different backgrounds, but yet they have a common goal and a common um, Savior. His name is Jesus Christ, the one from above. So Judea means the land of the Jews, the Greco-Roman equivalent of Judah. In the Old Testament, as you look, as most of the Israelites returning from captivity belonged to the tribe of Judah, they came to be called Jews in their land, Judea. 
Jesus entered into Judea because he had a mission, a mission to complete. Did Jesus take his orders from God the Father? Was Jesus led by God the Holy Spirit? Was Jesus God on earth? Yes. And we believe in a Trinitarian God. He's three persons, yet he's one. And as Jesus honored the Lord Jesus, as Jesus honored the Father, the Father honored the Son. And as, as Jesus honored the, even the Holy Spirit, because he speaks of the Holy Spirit in very complimentary terms, you'll look and see. And there's never a fight or dispute. It's always unity every time that you see the Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. Paul preached, Peter preached, John preached unification or un unity of the church, bringing us together. What are we, what's preached today many times? Doctrine. Pull us away. We don't believe that. We believe this. And baptism is one of the biggest things that divides us, did you know, from our brothers and sisters? Why would something that God commanded us to do? Jesus told us in Matthew 28, you will make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you, and remember I'm always with you. If Jesus commanded us to baptize, do you think that he knew what he was talking about? How did Jesus baptize? In rivers and places where there's much water. We'll see that in the scriptures as you look through your notes. There's a way, there's a method that Jesus wants us to baptize. And, and throughout history, through church history, the last 2,000 years, we've argued over it. Why? Well, sometimes I, I've told you about the lady in the church said, I've been, I've been coming to this church for 19 years, but I'm not a member. Tell me what, what's my problem. And I shared that with you that she didn't want to, we found out that she was, had, had professed Christ as her Lord and Savior, but she didn't want to mess up her hair in front of all the church members because she pays to have that, that was back when that, whatever that, what is those things called? Not beehives, but something like a beehive. Poof. A lot of money. But she didn't want to waste her beauty parlor money and have to have, get, get it redone. That was a prideful issue. You say, no way. No one could be, and I will say this on her behalf, no one can be that shallow. Can you be? This lady was in her 70s. But she followed through believer's baptism a week later because we went to the scriptures. What, did, what does the Bible say? Because the Bible's our authoritative source. Well, let me ask you, how shallow are you? What's keeping you from serving the Lord Jesus Christ? What's keeping you from receiving the Lord Jesus Christ? You know enough. If you've been to church one or two times, you know enough to become a Christian. The Holy Spirit's drawn your heart saying, today's the day of salvation. Change your life. Get rid of that sinful behavior and come to Jesus. Well, if I do, I got to give this up and this up. Well, measure all this and that. What's it doing for you? Some people love their alcohol. Many people have left our church over the issue of alcohol. Did y'all know that? I believe alcohol is a liquid devil. I believe if you drink alcohol, you're, you're, you can be led to, to extremes and led astray. Being drunk, no-brainer, is a sin. But if I come up to your house and you're drinking a beer, there is no problem with me. You, you won't insult me. I was in the Navy. You know, when we didn't have food, they would fly beer into the ship so we could have two beer a day. I didn't drink beer. I didn't like it. I tried it. I didn't like it. But instead of food on, the, on, on, the, on board the ship as the Gulf War is happening, we have a war off of the coast of Africa. They fly us crates and crates of alcohol. Two beer a day is what your assignment was. Well, they said, Smith, you don't drink, so you don't get two beer. I said, no, I'm getting my two beer. Because two beers are worth a lot of candy bars. <laughs> right? 
go to the ship store, and we still had all the reserves of candy, whatever people, their wives had sent them, whatever packages come in, I'll take whatever you got for these, right? These were golden out there because we set sail for 75 days without going to land. Yeah, that's over two months if you're counting. It's miserable. And no food. That's why everybody jokes about me not liking white rice because that's all we had was white rice. And the Filipino guys cooked our mahi-mahi as we caught it off the back of the fantail because we're just sitting. And they, we had mahi-mahi and rice for breakfast, mahi-mahi and rice for lunch, and mahi-mahi and rice for supper. So if you ever invite me over and cook mahi-mahi and rice, you're insulting me, okay? Please, let's have hot dogs. I'd rather have hot dogs or pizza than mahi-mahi, even the best mahi-mahi. And everybody says, you haven't had it the way I cook it. If I hear that word, and even saying it's making me nauseous, saying that fish's name. But I want you to understand, listen, when we, we come to the place that we say, well, this is more important than this, then alcohol is more important than Jesus, that prescription medication is more important than Jesus, that my sinful choices are more important than Jesus. Listen, you're making a choice just like Nicodemus did. Now, I told you last night, I, I did a spoiler alert. Nicodemus, he settled it in his heart because he knew it in his head, but he didn't register it in his heart that he needed to give his life to Christ because he knew the Messiah was coming and when the Messiah come, he would know all things and the Messiah would reveal all things. The Messiah would come with miracles from God. The Messiah would speak and with authority. The Messiah would be in charge and he saw all these things in Jesus and he knew he was the Messiah because he went back and checked the records, checked the resumes. He's the man. He's got to be the one from God because he even says it from his own mouth. We know, we the teachers know that you're from God because of the things that you do. And later you'll see that Nicodemus does believe. He comes to Jesus. He actually takes, helps Joseph of Arimathea take his body down. We'll celebrate it at Easter. And he places it there tenderly in the grave. You can see his heart of belief as, he, as the Holy Spirit broke through his life. What a beautiful picture it is. But I want you to see, as Jesus comes to Judea, this whole area of the Jews, he had a mission to complete. And brothers and sisters, you have a mission to complete. I don't care if you're retired. I don't care if you live in an apartment, a mobile home, homeless, a mansion. I don't care where you, where you live or where you work or who your family is or don't have any family. You have a mission to complete. You have responsibility for a holy God to do his work. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. He says, I have preordained work for you to do. I have a job for you. Many of us know our teenagers sometimes we give them a job. They, they wait to the last minute. I don't want to. They, they move around until there's a reward or there's a takeaway, right? If you don't do that, I'm taking your keys to your vehicle. Okay, okay, I was always going to lead to this. And, and if they would just get out of bed 15 more minutes or right, whatever it might be, children do the same thing. How about clean your room? Parents say, I just can't get my child to clean the room. I said, then put a lock on the door and lock it and take the key. They have no room. That's easy. That's an easy fix. You're just an easy parent. That's the easy way I say it. My kid, just, he just takes everything for granted. Well, then take everything away. Give him a pair of Walmart skips, a pair of drawers, T-shirt, short and shorts, and send him off to school. You'll be thankful, right? And if they're not grateful for that, take the shoes. All I'm saying is we as parents, we have a responsibility to train the next generation and we're letting them run all over us because we won't be the people of God God's called us to be. We're holy people. We're kingdom people. Our children should be in line with kingdom principles. 
your yes is your yes and your no is your no the first time that you say it. My kids knew when dad said no, if you decide to do it again, you're going to get a spanking. You say, well, that's too hardcore. Does the Bible say, spare not the rod? If you do, what does it say? Come on, what does the Bible say? If you spare the rod of the child, you don't discipline your child. It says you spoil your child. How many spoiled brats do you see at Walmart, at malls, at festivals, at restaurants? How many spoiled brats screaming at their parents to get their phone? Just give me your phone, hey, right? And as soon as parents walk in, they give them the phone, and the kids are just nice and quiet because Satan is babysitting them, right? Here, take this, son. Take this, daughter. Look at anything you want to look at. Just be quiet. That's not kingdom parenting. And that's not today's sermon either, but I'll keep going. <laughs> Jesus came to Judea with his disciples in order to do what? To make disciples because he was fulfilling what he said we ought to do. We're going to see John the Baptist over there. They're in a similar area. They're not necessarily right next to each other, but I'm sure there were probably a couple of uh, like Jim Lakes or Hounds Lake where there's a couple of ponds and lakes just jumping over the next place. Uh, they were very nearby doing the very same thing. What, you say, why didn't John just quit? I'll show you something that's kind of interesting in Scripture. John was in a well-watered area nearby Jesus here in Judea. John continued his ministry until God caused him to finish. John finished well. Amen? Now, he lost his head. He gets his head cut off, just for the record. If you're a spoiler alert, he's going to get it decapitated for the kingdom, for the king. But God caused him to finish. And John did finish well. You can read Luke chapter 3, what the, the backstory is. We won't be there uh, anytime soon. And you can look at Mark 6, 14 through 29. The backstory of John's story is told in a celebratory way that John died for the sake of Christ. Now, he preached against the king. You can go back and read that. That's not today's sermon. But John knew, I'm not stopping until God causes me to stop. So what caused him to stop? You're going to see that his disciples said, John, Rabbi, teacher, uh, that guy that you pointed out, that, that other teacher that you pointed out, he and his disciples are over there baptizing also. And John's like, yeah. The question should be, should we stop and just join them? What was John's mission? He had a title. What was his title? Do you remember what his title was? Isaiah said what his title was. John even said of himself, I am a what? Yeah, I'm a Toyota forerunner, right? That's the way to remember it. I'm a forerunner. I go before the Messiah. Not a Toyota, kids. If you're not new, it was not Toyota. It was just a forerunner. I am a forerunner. I go before you preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why was the kingdom of God at hand? Because the king was nearby. Until John got the message from God, hey, stop it. He didn't stop. Let me encourage you today if you have a ministry. You so it's just so tough doing ministry. And listen, I read the stats. Churches are closing every day. Churches are closing every week. Churches are closing. Aren't you excited to hear that Crossroads is opening down the road from us? A doctrinally sound church. They're a little bit different from the Alliance. So we have a little bit of differences. Aren't you glad to hear that a new church is opening up? And right down in our old campus, set for, I've been here for 12 years, and we've had three churches in that campus. And I'm glad to see the work they've put in to actually launch that campus as a ministry outpost. We need every church that's preaching the gospel to be back-to-back -back preaching because you ever had somebody say, I got your back? You ever been in a fight? Somebody says, hey, I got your back. It didn't really say, hey, I got your back, right? It's not really soft. Usually if there's a panic ensued, adrenaline's flowing, say, hey, hey, go, 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 I got your back, I got your back. There's nothing like it, especially in the military when you got, somebody's got your back 
You get emboldened that, listen, I'm going to whip somebody, right? I'm going, right? It's, it's not, I'm not going down because they're going with me. I know who's, if you had a weak guy, I got your back. Uh, you really were concerned, right? But you had one of the toughest guys in a fight, and if you haven't been in a fight, it's awesome to have somebody have your back. Because you know they're going to whip whoever comes behind you, and you can do your job on the side, and if you got somebody who got you, all your sides, then it's even better. Same thing in the kingdom. Listen, we have each other's back as the people of God. When we leave out of this place today, somebody says, well, I don't like whatever, fill in the blank. Hey, listen, you need to assume the best in them and let them prove you wrong. That's my brother. That's my sister. Don't, don't talk about them like that. I'm not going to have it. It happens in our community. It happens even in when we talk about race relations. But I've told you before, who's your grandpa? Adam, who's your grandma? Same as me. No matter what our color of our skin is, we have the same grandparents. So how can we be a different race? We're not. We're the human race is who we are. At this season, yes, we, we, we break out in different places. I mean, listen, you stay in the sun long enough, what's going to happen? God built us that our pigmentation would adjust. Don't we have an awesome God? You live in the Caribbean. You live in the continent of Africa. There's some things. Your skin's going to change colors. You live in the, uh, Russia. You live in China, some areas. Your skin's going to change colors. And then your background of your people. We were talking this week as students. Why do so many people look the same in different areas? Why, like in America, people are just uh, a rainbow of colors. But yet in like Mexico, there's a concentration of one color, predominantly. Why is it? I said, because your cousins married cousins. They're like, right, young people? We were there. Is it true? Yeah, look around. Look at your spouse and say, hey, cousin, right? That's, that's kind of weird. We don't marry direct, but because they're distance, we're actually, because we keep that gene pool alive, that's what happens. But when you diversify and you start moving around, what happens? People start looking differently. Well, that's our creator God. We have an awesome, awesome God. Well, John knew what he was supposed to do. I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do until he tells me to stop. Now, there's some people who don't know when to stop. I've asked God, don't let me outlive or outwork or outserve in my capacity. I never want to be that old preacher who just, everybody kissed the ring and I just, when he, here he comes, he can barely make it on the platform. I don't want to outlive my usefulness. Now, on the pulpit. I'll never get tired of praying for people. I'll never get tired of ministering. That, that never ends. No one's ministry ever truly ends. But assignments do end. And when an assignment ends, what does God do? He's already got the next one ready for you to go, even though, did John know what his next assignment was? What was John's next assignment? His, when here was forerunner, preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Keep baptizing until what? How did God confirm in John that he was supposed to stop? He lost his head, right? Exactly. <laughs> Would you like it? Are you asking God, hey, God, just tell me when it's time to retire? Be careful, right? Don't look forward to it. Just, just keep working. Just keep doing it. Will the Lord give you the mind the time when it's time to retire? When it's time to quit or do a new assignment? Will he? Come on, church. Will he? Yes. So don't dwell on it. Don't look for it. Just keep serving him until he comes. He might tell you to keep on doing what you're doing until you're 100. Or he might tell you to stop at age 50 or 40 or 35. He might tell you to change jobs. Whatever it might be, keep serving him where you are. John didn't look back and look forward. What are, what's going to be next in my ministry? 
He just kept doing what he was doing until the Lord changed him. All right, John and Jesus baptized by immersion. I want you to see this from the word of God. Why? Why did they do it that way? The Greek word translated baptize or baptizo there, according to most contemporary lexicons, the primary meaning is to dip, to plunge, to immerse. Baptism requires what? Water. You saw during COVID, there was on YouTube video, a priest that's actually taking a squirt gun and squirting babies and calling that christening so that the child's sins can be erased so they can have a neutral start. Is that in the Bible? No, if you've been christened, listen, and you have made no other arrangements with God, you're not saved. You say, my mom and dad took me to church when I was only whatever, fill in the blank. And the, the priest, he said some words, he made some symbols, and he, he poured water over my head. And that's the only thing you're banking on for heaven? You're not saved. He said, that bothers me, and I disagree with that. Let's get together after church, they have lunch, we'll order in, we'll eat lunch, or make sandwiches back in the back, and we'll go through the scripture. What does the Bible say? This is the authoritative source, not the local priest with a collar stuck on his neck, not the preacher standing in the pulpit. He's not, I'm not the authority, uh, authoritative source. This is the authoritative source, the holy word of God. And that's tr if that troubles you, listen, you should think about your salvation. You need to come to the place that you consciously decide, like Nicodemus, I will follow Christ. Some people say, well, I've been, I've been saved, but I haven't been baptized. I don't take you as a legitimate Christian. What's your problem, brother? What's your problem, sister? Oh, I, I just don't know. I just haven't never been baptized. Did Jesus say go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you think he was making a suggestion or a command? If you don't follow through with believer's baptism after salvation, baptism, if you were baptized as a kid, saved as a teenager, you got wet as a kid. Do you understand? Baptism, believer's baptism, always follows salvation. No other way. And a picture of baptism, even in a pool or where there's much water, is a picture of Jesus dying on the cross, him being buried in the grave, that's the water, and coming out of the water, you show a representation that he rose again the third day. You're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're also preaching a promise that he's going to take me with me. If I die, I'll be buried, absent from the body where? Present with the Lord. And though he come back and the rapture happens and I'm not here on earth, I'm already sitting up there coming back with him. I'm getting my new body's going to raise out of that grave. Listen, he's going to put the spirit and the new body together. You say, well, I don't believe that. It's not my problem. I don't care what you believe. Do you understand? I can't believe for you. I do care what you believe, but I can't believe for you. Do you understand that? You have to be like Nicodemus. You can say, my unbelief is stopping me, and it will. But when you believe, like John the Baptist, listen, did John believe the truth? Yeah, he, he not only did he believe it, he went to his death preaching, I believe Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's everything the Bible says he was, and he's God. I, he couldn't say enough good things about Jesus. Watch, let's keep going so we can get our notes in. Baptism required plenty of water, not a squirt gun. And that should be John 3, 23 in your notes, not 330. I, I got happy, I guess. Baptism requires going down into the water. Acts chapter 30, verse through 38. Put that in your notes because that's the whole story, 30 through 38. Baptism requires coming up out of the water, because if you stay down, you will die, right? Baptism requires coming up out of the water, Matthew 3, 16, Acts 8, 39. Baptism is called a burial in Romans 6, 4, and Colossians 2, 12. Baptism is into his death and involves being raised to walk in newness of life. 
That's the picture of baptism. That's the significance of baptism, that you're preaching the gospel, that listen, Jesus said to do it. Why are you baptized? If somebody comes to me and says, have you been baptized? I'm like, yes, I've been baptized after I was saved. Well, how were you saved? I put my faith and trust. God drew me to himself. I was a no good, no good back in the day, around the way, as we used to say, right? I was worth nothing. I was living for self. I was sinful. I thought about me and what I wanted and what my goals and what I wanted to tear up and what I wanted to do. And I heard a preacher preach and the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and I, I came forward. Now my heart was tenderized as a kid because I mem- memorized scripture as kids, right? We as children, we had the Bible. My dad was a hard preacher. But what happens with preacher kids many times, the devil can put a block and we put a block on because we see other people in church and we judge many times the king by the citizens, right? Well, you're a preacher's kid. You should know better. That makes you want to punch somebody, just so you know. And I kind of shielded my kids from that because they didn't hear much stuff from church. God bless us with good, we've been in great godly churches as well. But there's some churches out there that it's a dogfight every Sunday for the preacher. We need to be praying for Bible-believing preaching preachers and that the church will be the same. Because it hurts their children more than it hurts them. I mean, it affects preachers and their wives, but it really affects their children. And they always said, listen, preacher's kids are bad. I said, because they play with the deacon's kids, right? We, we learned it from them. So that's the secret sauce behind the whole thing. But here's what we need to focus on. When we have a role in the church, we have a responsibility in the church, we continue to do what God's called us to do because baptism divides or it, it accepts, right? Pastor, what happened to you? I gave my life to Christ when I was 20 years old. 21 years old. My memory's going bad, right? But I know that I'm saved because I went forward and said, listen, I believe. I want that. All the things that Christ says he is, I want in my life. Preacher said, get on your knees and pray after me. And I prayed with him. Lord, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. And he says, you need to schedule baptism as quick as you possibly can. And I said, why? Because he said, every time someone's saved, they follow the command of God to be baptized. And I was baptized right away. The very next Sunday, I was baptized. You're saved and are baptized. Look at every, every example in the Bible. Jesus' command, but also every example in the Bible. So we go to our Methodist friends. We go to our Presbyterian friends and say, listen, what about you? What about me? You say, well, what about them? If you've been in a Presbyterian church or our Catholic church and a Methodist church and you truly are saved, you truly have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've only had water and you say, well, listen, do we argue over baptism? No, we don't, but yes, we do. How do we argue over baptism? What's the name of our church? Town Creek Baptist Church has been for 160 years. Why do we put Baptist in the name? Why don't we say Town Creek Church? Which is okay with me, but why don't we just say that? We want you to know if you come here or people that drive by who we are. We identify with the whole act of baptism. John the Baptist, why do we call him John the Baptist? Why does the Bible have that reference? Because he was known as the baptizer, John the baptizer, the man who took people, made them confess their sins, put them underwater, brought them back up. So when we get to our places of argument, we have different denominations. People break away and say, no, we believe this. We believe this. And you come and say, what's the, the mode of baptism? A lot of new scholars today say, well, it doesn't really matter. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus say to baptize? Did Jesus ever just smack the swimming pool and hit somebody in the face and say, you're baptizing? Did he ever do it? 
Some people get where Paul says, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they say, you're not baptized properly unless you're baptized only in the name of Jesus. You ever heard that? Who's ever heard that? Raise your hand. Y'all, that's the teaching that's happening today. Or some people say, you have to be saved and baptized right away or you're not saved. It's not what the Bible teaches. The thief on the cross was saved, but he was never baptized, right? But those of us that are able, those of us that are willing, we come to the place and we say, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then what should ha happen immediately if I'm following the great commandment? I've become a disciple, so I should be baptized when? Immediately by immersion, where there's much water, like the Jordan River or in this area where the springs are natural, we should be baptized as soon as possible. Like the Kenyans that came with us, they couldn't baptize because it was a rainy season. So we baptized, what, nine of them or 11 of them? I don't know how many that was baptized here because they truly were Christians, but there was something called tobacco. It was called rain. They need to drink the water instead of be, take a bath in it. Church, listen, the biblical method, we believe, is by immersion. It's everyone in the Bible you'll see. The Ethiopian eunuch, Jesus, and all the people that are coming, John the Baptist and Jesus was by immersion. It does matter. So if it matters, are people being disobedient that haven't been baptized by immersion? He said, Pastor, are we going to be that trivial? Is Jesus that trivial? You ever had somebody with your kids, when you say, listen, stay on the sidewalk, don't get off the road. We do it with kids here at school. Stay on the sidewalk, go into the playground. There's always those kids. Some kids are walking just like this. Mm. And there's always those going, right? And they play the game and some end up in the middle of the road. Kristen knows she deals with them all the time. There's always those few who will say, there's an exception to the rule and that exception applies to me. And when you get on to them, you go like, what did it hurt? That's how we do with Jesus. We play like little children. Well, I, I got wet. What's the big deal? Do you think Jesus thinks it's a big deal? He commanded us to be making disciples. He commanded us to be baptized. He commanded us to teach. And that's our responsibility that we have to our Lord Jesus Christ. It was his idea, and he died for that. John celebrated. Let me go. John's disciples recognized Jesus' ministry was growing, and John's was decreasing. How does that feel when the church down the road, what if that church down the road outgrows us? How are we going to feel then? What if some of y'all transfer your membership there? How are we going to feel then? We shouldn't, Derek, we shouldn't have sold them that church. What if Derek goes down there? Don't go down there, by the way. What if Derek goes down there? We should have never sold them that church. No. We'll celebrate, right? What if we don't have the income to actually, they're going and blowing, and we don't have the income to produce, to keep this place up. What do we do? No, we're going to give them a call and say, hey, we'll take that church. Y'all take this church right? Let's switch. He said, would we do that? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. If God's blessing a ministry, we don't argue over a ministry, who's the better ministry, better minister. We say, praise God, the kingdom's growing. How can we help? They've even asked Derek about discipleship that we're offering. Is there some classes they can be a part of? Do you want any of them in your classes? Absolutely. Praise God, we are the church the name of Jesus is lifted high, not the name of Town Creek or any other name of the church, the church of God. John celebrated because God had gifted him with years of ministry that he recognized was coming to a completion. John knew the truth. John lived the truth. Nicodemus knew the truth. Nicodemus lived in unbelief. See the difference? 
Same knowledge, different actions. John rejoiced in Christ's ministry by saying he must increase and I must decrease. John always put Jesus in his rightful place. And what was that rightful place? First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the stuff that you have need of, Jesus said, will be added unto you. You'll get it. You'll have what you need. You don't have to worry about not having what you need. And let's finish this out. The Holy Scriptures, these last 31 through 36 teaches this. Jesus came down from heaven and he is above all. Is that true? Say amen if that's true. Above all. Satan, all the evil, he's above it all. All authority in heaven and earth is his. God is always true. Can I get amen there? Jesus had the full measure of the Holy Spirit leading him. Is that true? He, he wasn't confused. He said, I'm always about doing my Father's will. I'm going to do what the Father wants done. And the Father, listen, guided the Spirit. The Spirit guides, obviously, the Son when he was here on earth. It's a beautiful picture how God guides, how God guided Jesus and how today he guides me and you. God the Father loves God the Son and has given all things into his hands. Anyone who believes in Jesus, Jesus is true about this in John 3.16, but also said again here in John 3.36, anyone who believes in Jesus has everlasting life. Do you truly believe that, church? Let me ask you that question again. Jesus said in John 3.16, Jesus said multiple places throughout Scripture, Jesus says in John 3.36, Anyone who believes in Jesus has everlasting life. Do you believe that, church? If you believe it, then you must go share it. You must be like John the Baptist. Instead of preaching, he's coming. Say, he has come, and he's coming again. But listen, repent before the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, according to the scripture. He's going to split the eastern sky. Those that are alive, us are going to join. Those that are dead, they're going to get raised first. We're going to meet in the sky, and we're going to be together with him in heaven during the seven tribulations, the years of tribulation here on earth. We're going to be in heaven with God. We'll go through judgment, but we don't have to pay for our sins in heaven because why? The cross paid for everything you've ever done wrong. Every sin you've ever done, Jesus paid it all. You ever sing that song? All to him I what? I owe it to him. Let's finish this. Anyone who does not receive or believe in Jesus shall not see life, but will, put that in there, but should be, but will suffer God's wrath. And here's my question for you today as we close. Do you believe in the one from heaven? Have you truly put your heart and soul, your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him? And have you moved to the next step of believer's baptism? Saying, I want to actually be baptized because Jesus said so. I want to show the whole world that I am legitimate Christian. I, I'm crossed that line now. I'm in the deep end. No pun intended for baptism, even though it's deep, right? But I'm all in with Christ. Hold me accountable to the Christian standard. And whenever I mess up, somebody says, hey, hey, Pastor Clint, Christian doesn't talk like that. Christian doesn't act like that. You shouldn't do that. You should do this according to what the Scripture says, not according to what I think. John's, John's disciples, they get into a fight with the Judaizers. Do we wash our hands like this? Or do we wash our hands like this or like this? How do we do it? That was what the fight was over, ceremonial cleansing. And they said, look at John's disciples like, hey, he's eating grasshoppers and honey. We don't really wash much. You know what I'm saying? Our, our leader has a camel's hair on him. He's, he's wearing a leather belt around his waist, and he's dipping grasshoppers in honey. So crickets, by the way, were allowed in the law. Did you know that? If you go back and look. Did y'all know if you, you can, all those creeping things you couldn't eat? 
Like if you eat shrimp, you're sinning against God. I'm just kidding. We're not, aren't you glad we're not under the law? No bacon, no pork, no barbecue, no lobster, none of that. And turkeys are even considered in there like vultures, I do believe, if you read it closely. That's when you go to dinner today and say, thank you, Jesus, we're under grace, right? Now, he didn't give us, he didn't die on the cross so we could eat barbecue sandwiches. Y'all know that. But he gave us grace upon grace, and what should we give away? Grace upon grace. John knew what he was supposed to do. He told his disciples, and I believe his disciples later, doesn't say it, but I believe his disciples later will fall in line, and they'll follow Jesus. We know that Andrew did, because Andrew was right there, and he's like, hey, Peter, come here. We found the Messiah, dude. He's here. There was excitement. He wanted to see his family come to Jesus first. Are you asking your family to come to Christ? We should be first. Family should be next. We should be praying like crazy. Lord, every meal, every chance we're going to pray, Lord, make my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my coworkers, my enemies, my, my, my principal at school, my, my coworkers, my professors, fill in the blank. Lord, give them the opportunity to receive Christ because they need to have what I have because we once were lost. Thank God I'm found. I've lived on both sides of the coin, y'all. I'm telling you, some of y'all have. You were saved later in life. With Christ, life is worth living. Without Christ, there's no hope. It's tomorrow. Make more money. Get more stuff. But there's no hope in any of that stuff because it rusts and it deteriorates. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God,